0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this message from Soli church. Our prayer is that this message would be a blessing and resource for you, but no sermon or podcast can ever take the place of being connected to a local church. If you're in or around the Ventura County area, we would love for you to join us. You can find when and where we are meeting by visiting solely S O L I church.com rest in Jesus Christian. with me as we look at our New Testament text. You can flip to Luke 2. This morning we're going to be in verses 21 to 38, and that's where we're going to have our uh, sermon from as well. And when the eight days were completed so that it was time for his circumcision, he was also named Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of, the purifi- of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, <clears throat> they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what's been stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young doves. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he'd he'd see death before he'd seen the Lord Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law... Then he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you're letting your bondservant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said to him, and Simeon blessed him and said to his mother Mary behold this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and as a sign to be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul to the end that thoughts that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed and there was a prophetess anna and the daughter of phenuel of the tribe of asher She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She did not leave the temple grounds, serving night and day with fasts and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak about him to all those who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And when his parents had completed everything in accordance with the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. Please be seated. It would, uh, in fact, be a miracle, an act of uh, the divine, if I was able to actually preach every verse in this passage. There is so much here, so I'd appreciate if we could just go before... God, and and pray at the onset of our time, and then we'll see what we can do with the remainder. Uh, Almighty God, who gave the apostles the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that they might proclaim your word with power, grant to me right now, your servant, the same spirit of wisdom in the sermon as I teach and preach your holy word in your holy name. As the psalmist says, Lord, allow the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my rock, my redeemer, may the truth that's declared from this pulpit this morning, may the truth that's being declared right now this morning search the conscience, convince and convict the mind, and win the heart of those who hear it. Would the glory of your kingdom be advanced today, even just one little step, would the glory of your kingdom be advanced today as it was yesterday and the day before and the day before that through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. You know, over the last few weeks as we've been here at church, we've seen the people that God has, has chosen to reveal the good news, the coming of the Messiah to the world, and he hasn't chosen earthly uh, kings and queens, he hasn't chosen you know, the educated magisterium, he hasn't chosen the religious oligarchy, not at all, none of these has he, has he chosen. The story of Jesus has been entrusted to the humble priest and the, and the baron, the, the virgin and the carpenter, the angels and the shepherds, and this morning, the old and the faithful, the gray and, and the long-awaited, The true story of redeeming grace, that's been our theme, right? The the coming of redeeming grace, the dawning of redeeming grace, it it doesn't bypass those people. This is the point here. If you guys take nothing away in the first minute and 50 seconds of my message, if you don't take anything away, take this away, that the the, the message that was brought 2,000 years ago uh, was was brought to many of the people that that we as, as, as human beings and oftentimes the church in general forget about, the least of these... It would be that, that, that this is who God has chosen to reveal the message of Jesus to first. And then the redeeming grace is, is for those very people, the ones sometimes we marginalize, we look down upon. I think that this is really important to remember because the coming of Jesus into the world only means something because of the way it came into the world. This is why we pay attention to it. This is why it's special. This is why it's different than everything else. We'd expect it to come from kings and queens. We'd expect it to come from the halls of legislature. We'd expect it to come from the, from the, the, the most powerful people in the world. And that's what, uh, often, uh, that, that, that's, what, that's what people in Jerusalem, that's what the ancient Israelites thought was going to come. It's going to be a warrior king ready to bust heads. And that's not what we've been given We've been given a a message that starts with a proclamation to a a virgin, and before that a a barren woman, following only on the coattails of the prophets of old, and the the Israelites just didn't get that. And that's why this is is meaningful. That's why uh, the dawning of redeeming grace and the way that it's been chosen to come upon us is really important for us to understand. You know, notice that that Luke, he doesn't provide us with with just a description of what's taken place and, and just leave it there. He's... He's focusing in on, on what's said so that we might have an explanation of why these things were done. And, and this is really important to me as a Christian apologist, you know, um, and I said before in my last message that I don't want to give you guys just an apologetic for, for the reliability of, of Luke, but I can't, it can't be avoided. You know, Luke in his opening to, to this gospel, it's clear that he's intending to write an orderly account to to real people in in real time, centered on real events that actually happened in in, in space-time. He's not knitting together for us fanciful Christmas stories that that we can enjoy while baking cookies. He's he's giving to us something that's that's really important because it really happens. They're not just nursery rhymes or or Christian myths. I also want to remind us that that... there had been, at this, to this point, there had been 400 years of silence between the end of the prophetic ministry and what we have here now at the, at the beginning of the New Testament. And they'd been a, a, a silent error. The, 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 a people of God had been used to hearing from God, visually, audibly, constant prophets, and now nothing. Silence, until six months before, This passage we have here when an angel first appeared to announce the coming of John the baptizer and then Jesus. So we're not simply saying in this message today, I wonder what happens. I want us to be asking and maybe discovering why it happened and what it means and having had happened <clears throat> what's that mean for us today and now so notice at the onset of our of our scripture today notice that mary and joseph were proceeding their lives according to the laws of moses you know this is of course in reference to the jewish adherence to the law Of God given to them in Leviticus 12 and Exodus 13. There are three things involved in our passage this morning as they seek to adhere to the law of God. There's circumcision, there's purification, and then there's a presentation. Um, Those are verse 21, 22. And each of these things as prescribed by the law of God are followed by the people of God, the Jews. And and I'm not going to spend a ton of time. I wish I could. My first draft, my first draft of this message was like 6,700 words, guys. My normal long message is like 3,500, and today it's like 3,700. So I had to cut out a lot of this law. If you guys want to go home and do a deep dive into Leviticus, please. It's phenomenal. There's a lot there. (laughs) There's a lot there. But what I do want us to notice, what I want to draw out, is that, that God never stutters, He never wastes words. And Luke emphasizes that Mary and her husband were careful to obey the letter of the law. It appears in verse 22, according to the law of Moses. Then in verse 23, as it's written in the law. Then again in verse 24, as it is said in the law. And then again in verse 27, to do according to the custom of the law. This is important. You see, what we can draw out of this is that Mary and her husband Joseph, they were pious people excuse me, and oftentimes I think we, we misunderstand, or pious is oftentimes used as, as a derogatory term. That's not the way that Luke is using it here. It's a good thing. They're, they're concerned with the things of God. They're seeking to live rightly according to the ways of God. They're committed to God and doing what's right according to him. And, and this is why in verse 39 it says, and when his parents had completed everything in accordance with the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. You see, they didn't leave that city of Jerusalem until everything had been done perfectly according to the law of Moses, according to the law of God. These things were concerning to them. They were pious. They loved the Lord and they wanted to please him. They were committed to God. Thanks to Mary and and Joseph's piousness, even now in his infancy, Jesus begins living his perfect life as lived out according to the law. Jesus never violated anything. And if he didn't have pious parents, who knows if that could be said to be true today. Because they went to the temple and did what was required of him. Jesus is who he is. Does that make sense? Because of his parents' faithfulness, Jesus is faithful. This begins in his perfect righteousness, even as he takes on flesh right here before us. But there's more in the text for us to draw out. Luke draws our attention to Mary and Joseph's piety, but he also points out their poverty in verse 24. You see, when the firstborn child is, is, is a baby boy, the law in Leviticus, it, it says that the, the woman and the, and the husband, they have to go to Jerusalem and they have to offer two sacrifices. Again, this is from Leviticus, right? They offer a, a lamb and then a, a, two, two birds, turtle doves or, or pigeons. But not everybody can afford a lamb. A lamb is expensive. So God in Leviticus provides an out. He provides something for the poor. In Leviticus, he says, if she cannot afford a lamb, she's to bring two doves or two young pigeons. And this is what Luke is drawing out for us. He's he's telling us that these people, these young people, Mary's like 14 She's so devoted to God that, that, that she's traveling to the city with her newborn baby, which isn't an easy trek. And she's going up, it says, to Jerusalem, and, 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 she's, and she's so in love with God, and she's so concerned with following who God is, and they're so poor, but she's doing what's required of her. You see, I want to reiterate this because, again, it's, it's one of my main thrusts, loved ones. Jesus wasn't born to a king but to a laborer his mother wasn't a princess she's an insignificant peasant girl no one would have picked Mary out of the crowd Mary uh, the mother of Jesus she wasn't like you know um, voted most likely to succeed in the, in the in the high school yearbook I mean think about girls uh, think about boys think about the students think about if, if you got pregnant right now what that would do to your life and the shame that might come with it You see, Mary was just an ordinary person. Nothing at all special about her in any way. Until, of course, an angel revealed something to her. She wasn't valedictorian. She wasn't the smartest person in the room. She was just normal. But you see, all of this, it fits perfectly with the divine pattern as redeeming grace dawns. The message that comes from the angel is to to shepherds. Remember the shady shepherds? Okay, can I confess something to you guys? I have like one person nodding at me, and Jeremy's smiling. He's always smiling. Can I confess something to you guys? This is my confession to you. Okay, when David, when Pastor David was preaching, your husband, when he was preaching last week, I had never heard that the shepherds were shady. I didn't believe, Pastor David, that the shepherds were shady. So I went home and did my own research. The shepherds were shady. (laughs) Like super shady. Did you guys know that the shepherds, they weren't even allowed to testify in court back then because they were willing to do, they were known, their reputation was was that they were known to do whatever it took to survive. They would say whatever you wanted as long as you gave them some money. This is who they were and this is who God chose to reveal his special message to. This is who the angels appeared to in 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 the fields to go and welcome in the savior of the world. These shady shepherds, this is beyond me. And then, so here we have, we have Mary. It fits perfectly with, with God's plan, his divine plan before us. You now, why in the, in, in the wide world would, would God send his divine messenger to, to unreliable witnesses? Why wouldn't he choose, I mean, the most common That we'd expect. Why wouldn't he choose the kings, the rulers, the politicians, the religious elites? Why'd he choose a a Hebrew peasant girl? And here in verse 25, a man in Jerusalem. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Here we have another poor, pious Jewish man. We're told also that he was was righteous and, and he was devout. You see, Simeon knew his Bible because he was looking forward to the consolation of Israel is what the scripture tells us. You see, the whole Old Testament was looking forward to the one who would finally come and bring consolation, bring comfort to God's people. And that comfort had just arrived in Jerusalem on this morning as a baby. You know, Simeon here is... is the personification also of ancient Israel Filled with expectant hope Oftentimes this is how I feel I'm filled with expectant hope Because we too are waiting on something, right? Before Christmas we're waiting for the presents, of course But ultimately we're waiting for the true gift We're waiting for Jesus to come back That moment when heaven and earth collide And all is made right We're expecting this It's not a dream It's not a dream This is reality. But this is the way Israel was too. Israel for for centuries was waiting for this Redeemer. And here he is. And Israel is represented here by Simeon. And this old man, Israel acknowledges the end of a long wait and the beginning of a new age of of God's salvation. You see here before us, in in the Scripture before us, Isaiah 40 is confirmed. Comfort, comfort my people, says our God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and and call out to her that her warfare has ended and her guilt has been removed. You see, with with the coming of Jesus and here in the arms of this old man at, at the temple comes the end of the prophetic era and, and, and the, the, the 400 years of silence. And, and here in the temple is a devout man, a religious man, a Bible-reading man, an Old Testament man, and, and he's there at the exact moment for this encounter to take place. Only by the providence of God could this happen. Now, I, I want us to notice here that, that also, just as Luke is underlying the place of, of the law in the lives of Mary and Joseph, he does so in the relationship to the work of the Holy Spirit— And he does it as manifest in the life of this man Simeon. Oftentimes, I just feel like oftentimes we don't preach the Holy Spirit. We hear we hear about uh, Jesus and we hear about the Father, and sometimes we mention the Spirit in passing. But gosh, she's awfully important. You know he's awfully important. Without the Holy Spirit, none of this is coming to pass. Look at this. Look at this verse. Look at this relationship that this man has. Oh my gosh! If I could have the relationship that this man Simeon had with the Holy Spirit at this time. Notice that in verse twenty-five uh, that there was a man in Jerusalem, righteous and devout. Notice also that, that there was the, the, the Holy Spirit was upon him in verse twenty-six, and, and the, the, there this was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, and and then in verse twenty-seven he came to to, to in the Spirit into the temple. Moved by the Spirit, this man following the promptings of the Spirit. I don't know how many days this man went to the temple. I assume a lot because because he was devout. I don't know how much time each day he spent at the temple. I have no idea. These things aren't in the text. But what I can assume is that God divinely ordains that this should pass through the working of his Holy Spirit. That God said to Simeon, you will go here now and hold this child. And this is who he is. When you see him, you'll see the glory that radiates from his face. And this is all due to the Holy Spirit. You know, Simeon, Simeon he's not operating indiscriminately. I mean, he's, he's not just grabbing things out of thin air and just saying them. There's purpose and meaning behind every syllable that he utters. You no, know, he's not just having a fun moment for himself. This isn't some old guy saying, hey, let me have your baby. You know? The you know, old guys can get away with stuff. That's not what's happening here. There's something more going on. What's going on? The Holy Spirit is is operating. He's stirring the world through this man, Simeon. Right before us, we have a God-ordained moment that that, that was decided to happen before the creation of heaven and earth. Everything in, in history has been spiraling towards this one moment. And the dawning of redeeming grace is breaking through the natural world by the supernatural, a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Simeon is is moved by the Spirit to go to the temple at that specific hour on that specific day and stand in that specific spot waiting for Jesus to be presented. And, And in the Spirit, he knew that the child was more than just a consolation Israel so longed for, he was the Savior of the world. Oh, this is amazing stuff. This is amazing. It's phenomenal things. If it wasn't in the word of God, I don't know if I'd believe it. This is incredible. So the angel had brought the news that a Savior had been born. Simeon now tells us that he's looking at God's salvation lying right there. In his, I mean, can, can just allow me a little bit of liberty as, 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 as I just try to put myself in the place of Simeon. Like, can you guys do that? Can you guys picture what that must have been like? Long period of waiting. And then somebody comes and they hand you their baby, which isn't abnormal. But when you gaze upon the face of that child, you see the glory of God. And you're undone because your whole purpose, your whole meaning, everything the world is about is right there in a six-month-old baby. Promises fulfilled, hope restored. Verse 28 says, Simeon took him in his arms and blessed God and said, now, Lord, you're letting your bondservant depart apart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. You know, notice here, the thing that stuck out to me, at least in this passage, is is the pronoun here, your salvation, your salvation. This is the salvation of God. God. It's the salvation that God has provided. It's the God who's loved the world so much that he has given his only begotten son. And Simeon takes the child in his arms and he says, I've seen your salvation. Notice first that he applies it to himself too. He, he applies it personally because this is a personal salvation. Simeon, a devout man, uh, ready to die, holds a six week old infant in his arms, realizing the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament. And he says, Lord, this is enough. You know, I've been thinking about something a lot recently. I mean, maybe it's because my my mom was just in town and I don't know where she is with the Lord. Maybe it's because my sister was just in town and I know where she's in the Lord and it's not a good place. I've just been thinking about natural man and woman and, 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 and how we're so afraid to die. My mom's now 70, not particularly healthy, so she's starting to think. And and, and my sister, something with COVID has, has really affected her, and she's scared. There's no other way to put it. She's just scared. And... and you know, oftentimes that, that afraid to die, that, that a f- fear of death dictates how we live our lives. You know, I don't, I don't want to get this, I don't want to get that, I don't want to die. And, and I think that makes sense. It makes sense for, for natural man. I think it makes sense for natural woman to think this way. It, 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 the scripture in Hebrews tells us it's appointed, it's, a, it's appointed unto men once to die, and then what? And then comes the Judgment. Right? It's appointed once to die. And then you find yourself before the living God. And the scripture later on in Hebrews it says it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So I understand it to one extent. I think people, they don't know it because they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. But non believers, they're fearing not death, but God. And it's right, it's a right fear. But how do we escape this fear of death? How do we come at peace with this? I say this morning, only by looking in on and, and, and receiving to oneself the salvation of God as found in the glory of God radiating from the face of his son, just as Simeon did at this very moment. Only by coming to the realization of who we are, who God is, and what he's done for you can can you begin to overcome the uncertainty of sickness and death. And when we knit these things to us, when we knit the truth of the gospel, when we knit who Jesus is to our very nature, to our very souls, the thing that Simeon realized at this moment, we become supernatural. I don't mean we're like Thor. I wish I was like Thor. I would preach shirtless. We don't have superpowers, but we realize our divine destiny, and we no longer fear death and sickness because it's lost its sting, because we know that the life to come is greater than the life now even. Friends, these are the things that have motivated the saints in the past to do amazing things in the world. These are the things that prompted uh, the education systems to be raised up. These are the things that prompted the Christians to run in to the plague as people were suffering, dying. This is what causes people to run into to burning houses to save children. We become transformed. <clears throat> it's a personal salvation, but Simeon he doesn't stop with himself. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all people. And it's a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Thank God. Thank God. It's a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. You see, through this one baby in the arms of this one man rests the salvation of the cosmos. through the life, death, and resurrection of this one baby everything is made right in the entire universe See, through this child God is going to work out the salvation of mankind and that's what he's actually saying here, that's what Simeon's saying this isn't merely the salvation of one people group, the Jews it's extended to the Gentiles and and it's going to be echoed as, as we read through in the early church. And let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, is what Luke writes in Acts. This dawning of redeeming grace is universal. There's nothing left unaffected. And, and, and the mouthpiece that God chooses to first reveal this is Simeon, a Jewish man in the city of David, in a Jewish temple declaring the fulfillment of the servant's song of the Old Testament, I am the Lord, I've, call, I've called you in righteousness. I'll also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I'll appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open the blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeons and those who dwell in darkness from the prisons. I mean, I wonder, as, as the prophet Isaiah is writing this, I wonder if his buddies, if he had any buddies, I hope he had buddies, I, I'm wondering if they were like, who you, who, who's that about? And he's like, I don't know. Somebody I know, because it's a word from God. He writes, shout for joy, you heavens, and rejoice, you earth. Break forth into joyful shouting mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and have compassion on his afflicted. The prophet is writing these things. He didn't know who he was writing necessarily about, but Simeon at this moment knew exactly who it was about. It was about this person laying in his arms, baby Jesus. It's phenomenal. This is beyond my even comprehension. I can't even get it. The word says it's too light a thing that you should be my servant to bring back the preserved of Israel. I'll make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. This is what's being announced right here in the temple. Speaking of Jesus, this servant, how is it that this apparently elderly man in, in Jerusalem temple would be able to connect the dots and make it clear? Well, it's the same way that, that, that Mary did. It's the same way that these, these shady shepherds did, by the, by the Holy Spirit and his power. You see, this is, this, friends, this morning, this is, this is what God does. Like, this is what he does. This is, this is the true story of reality, friends. This is what he does. He, God opens the, the eyes of the blind, and, and he softens hard hearts. And, 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 and if, if you believe in Jesus today, it, 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 it's exactly what he's done for you. Each and every one of us is a miracle. Don't you understand this, church? This is why I get so emotional up here, and this is why it it it, it it's so hard. Because because we're all we're all affected by God in this way. We're, like, do you remember what that's like? Maybe it's just me because of where I come from. Years of just just massive unbelief, commitment to my to my atheism. Maybe it's maybe this is why I'm like this. But like the God the God like he softens our hearts. And he transforms us and he makes us new. It's incredible. And I love him so much for it. I love him so much for it. It's not like, uh, like I'm a pretty hard guy, ask my kids, you know? Like I'm not like, uh, like, like, like a softy, I don't think. I don't cry often unless I'm preaching. This is incredible. And this is the true story of reality. This is the truth of the Christmas season. This is what what all those gifts, children, students, all those gifts that your parents loved on you, all of them that they sacrificed to give you, this this is what each and every one of those gifts represents. The gift of salvation. That a God would would love you individually and call you by name and want to spend forever and ever with you. That's what those gifts mean. It's incredible. And he does it all by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the only explanation of genuine uh, Christian faith. You know, friends, you can have uh, all, the, all the stuff that's floating around. You can have easy believism. You can have all the other religions. You can have... Uh, the false piety, not the piety that we see here in our passages, but, but you can have the false piety. You can, you can come and go to church as you wish. Uh, you can come every Sunday if you want. You, know, you can do whatever you want, really. But only when the Spirit of God comes and opens your, your eyes and, and settles on your heart, only then will you say, now my eyes have seen this salvation. Now I recognize this. And furthermore, I, I, I can't possibly keep it to myself because it's for the Gentiles. It's for the whole world. And it's for the glory of Israel, is what our passage says. I mean, did you get that? Christine, I know you have lots of Jewish friends. This passage struck, brought you to my mind and struck home. You know, the, the glory of Israel, God's people, from israel that god's salvation has come to us christ messiah yeshua was born i say to you again by a by a peasant hebrew girl salvation is from the jews the the most unlikely of people even God gave Israel the patriarchs he gave to them the the covenants of the promises and he gave to them the law and he gave to them the prophets and finally in in these last days he gave to them Jesus as their crowning glory and through adoption he's given Jesus to you and to me as well there's something else I just can't shake I like, can't shake this scripture um, I think about it like all the time. Th- I mean, almost, almost every day, all the time. <laughs> Paul says, uh, we're not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not stare at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened, for until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it's removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever someone, listen to this, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as though in a mirror at the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, it all comes to the Spirit. You see, this scripture is about you and it's about me. It's about Israel. It's about the Jewish people in our lives that we know that don't realize that they have a veil over their eyes. It's about your mom and your dad, your brother and your sister, your coworker, those people that we don't even know as we petition on their behalf when we do our time of confession or when we lift them up during the week in our prayers. This scripture is about them, that they have a veil, that they can't see the glory of the risen Christ. through. They can't see the glory as seen in the face of Jesus through And they need that veil removed, and it only comes by a work of the Holy Spirit as He enters into their lives, as He enters into their minds, (coughs) and into their hearts. Lord, uh, Lord God, like would you just save every single person in my life right now? My brother and my sister, my mom and my dad, would you save them? Would you save all those people I used to work with? Would you save them today? Would you save them, Lord? I so desperately want every single person to know who you are. You are loved, but not nearly enough in this world. You see, saints of God, this is this is the glory of God. When we when we become exposed to it, we become undone. When we come to know who Jesus is, we become undone. This is what's happened to this man here. He becomes undone. He's ready to die. Lord, I'm ready to die. He becomes undone. And the entire context here is amazing. It's the glory of God. And here, here, the entire context, the glory of God is resting in the arms of this man. I wish... And this is what Simeon's saying to everyone. See, I'm not going to make it through this whole passage. You guys are going to be here forever. Friends, salvation is here. We don't need to fear any longer. God has broken the silence. Redeeming grace has dawned. And look at the response. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Mom and pop here, they... uh, (laughs) I mean, these people have experienced in the last few weeks uh, unbelievable stuff, right? They've had Gabriel appear to them. The other Gospels testify to what, what God did with Joseph and, and telling Joseph what was happening. You know, stuff has happened here. It's amazing. So how do they respond? Oh, yeah, no, we, Simeon, we know all about it. Trust us. No, they, 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 his father and his mother are amazed, at the things which are being said about him. And I, and I pray, Lord, that, that our amazement when we gaze upon the face of Jesus never waxes or wanes. I pray that it's constant, constant in our lives. The wonder that's, that, that's seen in the, in the Christmas story, I, I just pray it, it resonates forever with us. And, and then Simeon, he says that there's more to it. Uh, there's a downside. and This is where we're I'm going to try to land the plane. There's a downside. Turning to the mother of Jesus, Mary, he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and as a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul to the ends that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In other words, friends, what Luke is telling us here is that this salvation that's found in Christ comes at a cost. You know, sometimes during uh, Christmas, uh, we forget the dark side of the birth narratives. They all have their climax uh, on a cross on a hill with three men suffering and dying, particularly Jesus at the center. You know, Jesus is going to explain this in time. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Saints of God right here this morning, loved ones. The message is this. Unless you fall, you will never rise. Unless you fall before him and acknowledge your need for him as a savior, you will never rise to know the gift that lends to Christmas its magic unless you fall before Jesus and acknowledge your need for him as a savior, you'll never rise to know the gift that is his. Some will fall. Some will rise. And, and this is the scandal of the cross. This is what Luke, through Simeon, promises us. And, oh, man. I'm going to have to skip Anna. I'm so sorry. Anna's rad. She's uh, She's awesome. <laughs> She's saying a lot of the same stuff. She's, she's, uh, dude, she's a woman prophetess. Girls, oftentimes we hear the lie that the Bible like, isn't for you or it's sexist or misogynistic. Right here before us, we have a woman prophet. Notice that the word prophet isn't used in relation to Simeon either. We have a prophetess here, God, using a woman in a very powerful way to proclaim the coming salvation of the world. Young women, girls, you are of infant value and worth. You're made in the image of God. You're no lesser than, than a man. You're no lesser than, than me because, because I'm a pastor. Our roles and functions may be different, but they're no less important. They're very important, girls. Very, very important. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. I want to be clear on something. There's something amazing that comes out of what, what, what Simeon and Anna say, and, and it has to be really clearly said that there's there's uh, there's there's no one in your life who need who who's outside the need for salvation. There's no one outside the need to hear the revelation of Jesus. There's no one, and and then and, and equally true is there's no one outside the grasp of Jesus. If Jesus can save me, guys, you have no idea what I was like before Jesus 14 years ago. I mean, you can't even comprehend what I was like. I don't even tell half the stories because you guys wouldn't want to come to church here anymore. I, I wouldn't want to come to church here anymore. <laughs> Awful. Awful. If you're picturing it, yes, it's true. No one is outside the grasp Of the gospel And just as Moses lifted up The serpent in the wilderness So must the son of man be lifted up So that everyone who believes Will have life In him No one is outside of that life I love it though I love the way Lewis says it And this is, this is where I'll wrap it up This is so good Lewis You're so good I read, I read in the periodical the other day that the fundamental, things, the fundamental thing is how we think of God. By God himself, it's not. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but indefinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of him is of no importance except in so far as it's revealed to how he thinks of us. It's written that we shall stand before him, shall appear, shall be inspected... The promise of glory is the promise, almost incredibly and only possible by the work of Christ, that some of us, that any of us who really chooses shall actually survive the examination, shall find approval, shall please God, (coughs) excuse me, to please God, to be a real ingredient, to be a real ingredient in divine happiness, to be loved by God. Not merely pity, but, but, but delighted in, as an artist delights in his work, or a father in a son. It seems impossible, a weight of burden of glory, which our thoughts can hardly sustain, but it is so. Oh, church, believe these words. God delights in you. This is what Simeon was getting at as he held this baby so long ago. He realized the promises of a Savior were in his arms, and and God was taking delight in what he was doing and pleasure, and God takes delight in you as we realize our call on our lives to be ambassadors of Christ, to be begging on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 this is what we ought to be doing. This is what Christmas is ultimately all, all about. Believe, believe on, on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is our message. This is the message of Simeon and, and this is who God chose to announce that the salvation to the world has arrived. Look, he, 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 chose, he chose a barren woman and her priestly husband. He chose, he chose a, a virgin Mary and her, her carpenter Joseph and, and then he, he chose Simeon, an old man, an old woman Anna and he chose me, a wretch, And he chose you because you're messed up too. I know you are. But this is who God has chosen to reveal his message. You see, he's not done speaking. God speaks through us every single day, friends. God speaks through us. And he continues to speak through us in a world that so desperately needs this Christmas message. And the dawning of redeeming grace. Let's pray. Uh, gracious, almighty Father, uh, come to us, Lord, as, as, uh, as you came to Simeon, as you came to Anna. Move and stir in our hearts. Help us be faithful. Show us ourselves. Show us uh, our Lord Jesus, our Savior, and grant that we welcome that Simeon extended the truth of who you are that we too may extend that truth as each and every one of us continues the the, the celebration of the Christmas events the birth of a Savior as we continue it all year long move and stir in us Lord as I always say Lord just help us love you more and each other better in Christ's name